Okay. Back to 1 Timothy 5. And we left off looking at at some of the scripture that in verse 18. But I want to go back to 18 again. Because in going back over it and having, having a little time to look at it, I, I didn't, I felt like I didn't do the, uh, enough properly on this verse of scripture that we're going to pick up with in verse 18. That we, uh, maybe need to talk about that a little bit more too because uh, time was running out, and we just we just filled it up with part of what we should have said. But now we're going to say it again. Go back to verse 18 of, of chapter five, and we're still dealing with the elders. And this is Paul talking to Timothy, and what Timothy would need to know when Paul was not there anymore. And Paul had an understanding, I think, pretty well at that time when he was doing First and Second Timothy that his time was about up. And so when you look at these things, you begin to realize what man is saying to another individual in the Scriptures that uh, it was very important. Did he say it was? That's kind of like one. Of, I believe it was the malefactors that were on the cross and was hung after they hung the first three. Was it malefactors? I can't remember if it was. I believe it was malefactors. Two malefactors and two thieves. Yeah, yeah. but I think it was the malefactors last. Wasn't it? They were led with him. The thieves were brought after the parting of the. Darkness. Okay, the thieves. Okay. Well, you know, one of the thieves railed on Christ and said, "If you be the, if you be the Son of God, you can come down off that cross." And and the other thief then got in his or the two malefactors. I think it was they were closest, so they were the ones having the conversation. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the the ones that was doing the talking, one of them railed on the other one and said, look, you, we're in the same situation that he is. We're going to lose our life. And so when Christ said, verily, verily, I say unto thee today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. Well, he couldn't say it tomorrow because it was already known in Scripture that he would be like Jonah was in the belly of the fish. He was going to be in the ground three days and three nights. So he was on the cross. He wasn't dead yet. And so he told the one that uh, was against the other guy that was with him, he said, look, he's in the same shape we are. But the fact was, most people, or a lot of people, think, that Christ said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee today, Thou shalt be with me in paradise. See, there was no uh, punctuation there. And he couldn't say it the next day because he wasn't going to be alive at that time. He was going to be dead. 
And so here we are rightly dividing the word again. And then we get back to this verse in 18. And it's unusual the way it's written. But it's foretold in Scripture in three or four places about the ox or the oxen. And uh, an oxen is a pair. And but now some of the ox would 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 be used to plow the corn, just just one instead of a pair. But they could use them as a pair, and some sometimes if they were trained properly, you could use them as one. And so I'm going to read it again. Let's read uh, verse 18 of. 1 Timothy 5, again it says, For the Scripture saith, Oh, oh, wait a minute. The Scripture says this. This is Paul using and working this as a lesson for Timothy. But he quotes Scripture. But then the rest of that verse, until he spoke it and wrote it down, was not Scripture. Well, you got some believed and some believed not with those that were dealing with the Israelites. That's the way it was all down through the Scriptures with when God chose Abraham out there, Chaldees, or Abram and Sarah. And so there's not much question about it to the Israelites if it was said and, or said to Moses or said to one of the prophets that uh, where it was written down and they, it could be read in the, in the synagogues or whatever. Hey, there's not much of a question about that. But here's the question. I'm going to read it again. For the Scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. And, and, the laborer is worthy of his reward. So here's two things in one verse of Scripture. One thing is, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. Why is that here when we're talking about Rightly dividing the Word of God. Well, you got to rightly divide this verse of Scripture. Some people would not question this. Because the first four words there is, For the Scripture saith. And if it was given to Moses, that settled the question, right? Or should have settled the question. Now, the ox is kind of like man is. The ox is going to get for his labor exactly what his owner wants him to have. Unless he's treading the corn to where he can reach out and bite it and get food. Well, everything that works has to have the energy to do that work. 
And so the ox is kind of like we are. We depend upon the Lord to take care of those things that He has set aside for mankind to be able to have. And so man sets forth for the ox the things that the ox needs for his betterment. And and the ox has to look to the man for his because the ox is always beholding to the man like we're beholding to God. You see the do you see the correlation here? The correlation? It uh we we only we only can be thankful for what we have because it belongs to God. All of it does. Just like that ox belonged to his master. We belong to a master. And so there's scripture here to cover that. So when that's brought up, they don't nobody really question it. But Paul's statement that he gives after that and the laborer is worthy of his reward. So he is putting the two and two together. Man and his master God and man and his animal that does the hard work on the in the field. And so Paul tells Timothy here and Timothy sometimes gets a little lax because of this very thing. There's not a question with it if it's the scripture saith. But there is something when one man is talking to another man and it hasn't been, it hasn't been brought out to the public yet. And that's just like when they brought Christ when he was in the synagogue, the, 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 the scroll to read and he could only read part of it because the rest of it didn't apply. Well, here, Paul makes it straight to Timothy and we have the reasoning here because the laborer is worthy of his reward. So if you're going to get out and work for the Lord, God will provide for you in ways that you don't sometimes see and realize. And I wanted you I wanted us all to see that again and to realize this. I'm going to read again what Jack says in 18. It says, of course, those who labor in the Lord and His Word deserves to be able to eat and drink sufficiently. Paul cites some words of Scripture to make the point. See, Paul cites some Scripture, but what he said is becoming Scripture as he says it. And so, to make the point, doubtless these elders teaching the Word laboreth with perspiration freely flowing in the warm areas of the Near East. The local assembly is responsible for those who go from there to teach and to spread the word. So when we go out and provide the word, 
to groups or someone somewhere that wants to listen or to hear to understand, then uh, provisions may not be expected, but they generally are provided. And this is what he wanted Timothy to, to see, because a lot of times they becomes questions about what some man says, and that's just like somebody getting up before an assembly or congregation and and uh, reading one verse of scripture, and the rest of it is conjecture. It's because he is added to it, and it may not ever become scripture. But, you know, his thoughts and my thoughts get into what what I'm looking at, too, a lot of times and say. But here we need to be extremely careful because sometimes these kind of things turns people away. And so somebody might say, Yea, did the Lord say? Well, where is it? In Scripture. And if it's not in Scripture then uh, you need to be able to back up what you say. And I do too. We all do. So here we are. And this verse of Scripture is, is, is really an important thing when you look at it. But when you're just reading down through it, why did he talk about the muzzle of the ox and the, that treadeth out the corn? He's but he's making a point because you see, that old ox, he gets a little bit of this that he wasn't provided for. He reaches out and gets it on his own. Well, see, he knows he done wrong, and he knows he might get a little tap on the rear end for doing that. But here's the thing. He's only going as he walks through and he bites off, the top of the tassel of this corn stalk. There's two other stalks, one on each side of it generally, that's going to uh, make that thing prolific anyway. And so there's nothing there that's going to be lost, basically. Because the uh, the pollen that comes from the tassels, or, or the wind can blow it and and give it the, the energy that it needs to go to where it needs to go to, on the silks of the of the, the ears that's coming up on the stalks of corn. So he hadn't done anything really wrong, but you know, if a man takes a real hungry animal and, and is doing it in somebody else's crop, the man, the neighbor might get a little wrong about it. <laughs> About his ox eating up, eating some of his corn, yeah. and not and not have a good saying for that. So you, we we can use that as a uh, as an example, because I think in verse eighteen, and I put it in my notes that eighteen is an example of verse seventeen, where he talks about. Uh, the elders that rule are worthy of a double honor because, you know, they got to rule their own house, but yet they can have part in ruling the assembly too. <coughs> Excuse me, and that ought to go hand in hand. 
But some people, <coughs> the ruler house, didn't try to take part in the assembly because this very thing, because they know they'd be um, asked about different things. You know, and, uh, and, and we had a guy at Wolf State that he said uh, he was a fruit inspector. He, he, he looked at a man to see how much fruit he was uh, providing. And uh, so all the time or any time you get involved, lots of times you're going to have questions. And there's always going to be a learning curve there. And sometimes people just don't. They just don't get it because they read and read and read and never, never really come to a study factor there. And uh, that, a lot of difference between studying the Word and just reading the Word. I can tell you because I did it a long time that way. Okay. Now, let's get back just for just a little bit and, and get into some of the, the things that we didn't read last week in here. And I'd like to go back uh, go back to the book of John. And we'll start there. We'll, we won't do the whole list because I did a few of them last week. But here's where we left off. Let's go back to John 5, 39 on page 1567. John 5, John 5, 39. I still, I think I still got these marked in there. Well, maybe I didn't mark that one. But John 5, let's see. I put uh, 39 through 41. John 5, 39 through 41. And it says this, search the scriptures. Okay? That was, that was what the Bereans would do that Paul was telling them over here in the 17th chapter of Acts. They would go and search and see if it was in the scriptures. Search the scriptures for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and then, and, and they, that which testify of me, and you will not come to me that you might have have life. I receive not honor from men. But he says, But I know you that you have not the love of God in you. And the reason was I'm come in my father's name, and you receive me not. And, and that's a condemnation on the people that were listening because none of them really thought that Christ was the, was the Redeemer, was the one that could remove their sins from them forever. 
Now, they always put their hands on the animal and the animal shed its blood. They didn't realize or come to the point of understanding that, yeah, that's the way it was always done, but now there's a new way. People don't like new ways quite often. Okay. I want to go to John 7, so let's turn Let's turn a page or two over. And John 7 is on page uh, 1535. I may give you the wrong. I thought it was 1567. John 7 is on 1535. We'll get there in just a minute. Here we go. Yeah, it, it was marked. That one is marked. So we're going to look at 36 through 38 here. In verse 36, says this. What manner of saying is this that he said? Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me, and where I am, thither you cannot come. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, here again, as the scripture hath said. So it had been written before. Evidently. It says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit. So you see, sometimes when things are written and not studied, it's hard for people to understand something that they don't know. And I thought this was a good, was a good thing because, uh, you know, the Jews were listening to what he was saying and trying to make their own deal of this. But not knowing the scriptures and not not having the understanding of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide them, then they, they were kind of like lost sheep somewhere that had gotten away from the shepherd. Because that's actually what was going on. They had gotten away from the shepherd. They had no one to show them. Can't say it much plainer than that. Okay. Then we're going to go to John. We're going to go to Acts 4. I hope we are anyway. Acts 4. In Acts 4, we're going to look at 33 and 34. 
Well, this was, you know, this was early, early on when they were uh, bringing their money in from selling their stuff and bringing it in. And it says in verse 32, The multitude of them that believed were one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. So you see this, they was experiencing something here, and they thought that they wouldn't have to wait on the Jubilee year to where everything goes back to its original owner. And it says, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of land or houses, sold them and bought the price of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made to every man according as he hath need. And you know what happened there? This man and his wife come in and lied about it. And they were put in that ground that same day. One of them had gone off somewhere, and, and the one lied about it, and the other one wasn't there. And it said they got him up, buried him, and then the, the other one came back. And she said the same thing. And I said, well, the feet that carried your, your man away going to carry you away. Yep. And, and they had lied to the Holy Spirit. And that was the punishment for lying to the Holy Spirit. That's like, folks, that's exactly like the murmuring that was done by the children of Israel when they went in to the 40-year march in the wilderness. They murmured against God. They said, oh, we'd rather stayed in, we'd rather stayed in Egypt and to die there than to die out here. And guess what? They were judged, and the ground swallowed them up too. So you have to be careful. That's the reason it says to fear God. He has, He has the power. He has the power. So we need to be careful with that. Okay, let's turn from four over to uh, Acts seven, and we're going to look at. At uh, seven and sixteen, fifteen, sixteen, and it says this: So Jacob went down into Egypt and died he and our fathers, and were carried over into Sashem. And laid in the sepulcher that Abraham bought for a sum of money of the sons of Emor, the father of Shechem. And you see here he's talking about the kindred did this. Uh, the, uh, 
quite often the sepulchers that were used in those days carried the bones of their ancestors. And people were buried in the same. If they were buried in a, in a hollowed out cave, it had the bones of the ancestors. When they opened it back up, they were opening up the ancestral uh, vault, so to speak. And uh, that was not considered a bad thing. That was considered a good thing. Because, you know, when, when David died, uh, King David, when he died, you know, it says he was buried with his ancestors. So here we are talking about things that happened and, and, and nobody questioned that you could open a grave where the dead were because it was a normal situation. In those days, in those times. But, you know, nowadays, you can't go and open a grave without all the legal ease that goes with it. And you just can't do it. You better be ready to get in trouble. Yeah. So, but there, there, there was no question about this. See, that, that wasn't a question. Some things get to be questioned and some things don't. I want to go to chapter 8, since we're in uh, Acts here, and we're going to look at 34 and 35 there in Acts 8. And I'm going to start with 30, with 32. And here's where Philip and the eunuch was talking. And the eunuch didn't understand. But he asked Philip if he would read the scriptures. And and this was the scripture. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer. So opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scriptures and preached unto him Jesus. The eunuch, the only question he had whenever they finished reading, he says, I want to be baptized. Must have did a really good job. (laughs) Yeah. Want to be baptized. Okay. Now, let's go from there to the first chapter of Romans. But you see, 
There's generally not a question when it says, and the Scripture saith, or this is what the Scripture saith. Uh, so, Paul was making a point to Timothy here that if God gives man something to say, then it is Scripture. Romans 1, verses 1 through 3. And it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, called at his conversion, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. See, God had promised this and give this word to the prophets. They knew that. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. He got an anesthesia. He got an out resurrection. And that's what that's what Paul was wanting when he got as far as the Philippian house after he got out of the shipwreck going and went to see Caesar. And he wrote back to the Philippians. And at that point, he wasn't really sure of obtaining, having obtained that. Even himself had questions. But here it is. As he got further down the road, we can understand this as it being the Word of God because Jesus Christ called him to be apostle. And like he had promised before by his prophets in the Holy Scripture, if you were called to be an apostle or a prophet, you spoke the words of God where it was written down or where it wasn't. It was truth. It was truth. If it come from God, it was truth. God doesn't lie. Okay, let's look at Romans 4. Now this is what Jack left us with. Read. We didn't get it all done. So if it takes a little time so be it we need to go through these things four one through four 
what shall we say then? Romans 4, 1 through 4. What shall we say then? That Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, is found. For if Abraham were justified by works, he had whereof to glory, but not before God. Ah, for what saith the the Scripture? What is the account that we have in our hands that the Scripture says? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham believed God. You have to believe God. You know, when you get involved in saying, God, forgive me for my sins, He's already done that 2,000 years ago. Right at 2,000 years ago. He's done forgive us of that. It is believing in God. I can't say it any plainer. Abraham. Believed God. When he told Abraham, he said, you're going to have a son. Sarah laughed. Abraham didn't laugh. And when God told Sarah, you laughed. and She denied that she laughed, but she laughed under her breath. And you see, God can hear better than we can. I hope so. (laughs) And he heard that. I heard that because it's, it's and, and we're, we're talking here about common sense. But these people were kind of thick-headed because they were a peculiar people. They were chosen by God. But if you didn't have the goods written down somewhere, or that God said it by people that were there or heard or. Every hat was given forth, even in a dream or whatever. You know, they sometimes they would question these things. Because you had Pharisees and Sadducees in this group. Always. Some believed and some didn't. Okay. Let's look at 9. Romans 9. And we're going to look at uh, 17 and 18 in Romans 9. And this is where God's speaking to somebody that's not a believer. For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name, that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy, on whom he will have mercy, and on whom will he hardeneth, or harden the heart. So he said to Pharaoh, look, 
guy, you're living for a purpose of mine. That my name might be declared throughout all the earth. That's the reason you're here. What's the reason you and I are here today? Because God is not through with us yet. There is something somewhere in some way that we're still to do. Because God can use whoever He chooses. That's His privilege. And that's the reason the Israelites were told over and over to fear God. I'm not trying to preach, but I'm just, we're just going over some of these things that we need to know. Okay? And a lot of times, you, you know, we said, well, why are you, why, why did Jack bring this up? Well, Jack knew the scripture pretty good. And mailed it to, so. It's hard to really argue much with with what Jack wanted us to look at. Okay, we're going to chapter 10 of Romans, and we're going to look at 16 to 18. We're going to look at 16 to 18. Well, I... I missed it there. I wanted to go from 15 through 18. And it says, And how shall they preach except they be sent? Well, he even told Pharaoh who was not a believer or who was not an Israelite. You're here for my reason. I've kept you here for a reason. 15 here. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, but I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily. Their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. God's plan and purpose were written in the stars, and they saw it every night. They saw it every night. There is nowhere on this earth that you can go but what you can't see it because it's in three book forms, but one of the books, wherever you are, is always there where it can be read. We have it in our hands. God, begin with, put it in the stars, and He wrote it that way to where you were on the other side of the earth 
or whatever side of the earth you were on, or wherever it was you would, because he knew that someday he was going to divide the lands. This is a quote from Psalms 19. The heavens declare. The heavens declare his glory. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nowhere you can go that you can't see it if you knew how to read it. And this is the way the word is. If you just read it and don't study it and don't ask for guidance, you're not going to get it. That's part of the way it is. That's the way God set it up. Okay. Again. Sounds like a sermon, don't it? First, First Corinthians. First Corinthians 9. We're going to read 9 through 14. And I want you to look at what I'm, what we're doing here. Now, Jack put all this stuff down, but I'm, I'm, you, that's the reason I'm using his book along with, with the Bible, with, with scripture and Jack's notes because here's, here's what he says. Verse 9 through 14 of 1 Corinthians 9. For it is written in the law of Moses. Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Yes, He takes care of oxen just like He takes care of man. He provides the food and the water that they need to live. Or saith he it altogether for our sakes. For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that plows should plow in hope, and he that thrasheth in hope shall be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, it is a great thing if we shall reap you carnal things. If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should be the hinder of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers of the altar, even so hath the Lord ordained they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. So your testimony and my testimony should be what we talk about and what we say concerning God's Word. And that's our testimony. And if we don't have a good testimony, that there's ways that it should be taken care of. 
And that's in the next verse of Scripture. So you see what Paul's doing for, for Timothy? Sometimes Timothy would get a little slack. Because he didn't like it if people, I think, somewhat if people started gouging around on him about what he believed and what he says. You know, we kind of do the same thing sometimes. Because I've been in situations to where when I, I was trying to help somebody out, well, it, it felt like when I left, I'd been in a battle or a war. And if you do that, then you know. You know there's something there. And there's no, and there's no question in it. And so this is what Jack's left us look, look at. First Corinthians 9. Okay. The next one is 2 Timothy 3.16. So let's go to 2 Timothy. And you say, well, say so if we go and continue on this study for another few weeks or months that we're going to already do second Timothy before we get there. <laughs> a lot of, there's a lot of cross-reference. But that's all right. Second Timothy 3.16. All Scripture, we and we all should know this by heart. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. That's teaching what is true. And for reproof, correcting that which is false. For, for correction, that which is wrong. For instructions in righteousness, that is what is right. That the man of God may be perfect, may be fitted thoroughly, furnished into all good works. That's the reason we've been told in Colossians to put on the whole armor of God. It's all got to fit, folks. What we say needs to be used and fitted for us. That's the way it can be perfect. If it can't be reconciled, then we may be on the wrong path. We may not have seen what we should have seen. That the man of God may be fitted or perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Not that we believe some of it and we don't believe the rest of it but we studied to make ourselves sure that it's what we know and what we believe okay and that 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 is a wonderful verse there to put into this study for sure okay Let's go two places more, I think. Yeah. Let's go to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. 
Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3, 3. It says this, For this man, and this is Paul speaking in Hebrews again. A lot of people don't believe it was Paul, but I feel certain that it was because I can't find anything really that takes me away from that idea. It said, For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Now, who are we talking about here? We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. These Paul is talking to these young people of the Hebrew nation that had probably lost their their parents and grandparents that murmured in the wilderness. And as Paul is teaching these young people, he understood that probably they didn't have the proper experiences that they should have had in going through the wilderness for that 40-year journey that could have ended in just a short period of time had they believed what God had said. But they didn't do that. And you can't, you can't find fault with God and come out on top. That's not going to happen. Okay, for this man, I'll just put it in myself. This man, Christ Jesus, was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. So the temple was built for the Lord God of glory. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we? Wow! If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the days of temptation in the wilderness. And boy, they should have remembered that. If you've ever lost a father or mother or grandfather or grandmother, you don't forget that. Especially if they have helped you in your life like mine had helped me in mine. And it took me 33 years to come to this understanding, folks. 
But glory be to God, one day. In July 1971, I realized that I had to learn all this stuff or relearn all this stuff again. Because my grandmother and grandfather taught me what they knew, but they didn't know. Right division. They didn't know the mysterious, the mysterious truth. But nevertheless, I got what I got then, and I've got what I've got now by the grace of God. Going to one more place. Hebrews 13. How much time we got left, Ronnie? 9.35. Well, we do it in one verse. <laughs> okay. 13, 7 through 8. The last chapter of Hebrews. Let's look at 7 and 8. Well, I've got to go back to see. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do to me. Remember them which have rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follows, considering the end of their conversation. Why? Because Christ Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's who these young people were not understanding that they need to listen to. And Paul says, you're here for milk. But I've got meat. And that's all they knew was the milk of what God had left for His people. But Paul said, I've got the meat. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we went through this one verse of Scripture again. And all the scripture that goes with it. But think about this. And you'll be confronted with it too if you get involved with teaching or helping someone to get to know the truth. Because one of the first questions I've had asked of me, well, how did you come by this? Well, it's all here. What I, what we've looked at tonight, been written down for hundreds of years. They not have the same Bible I do. But the question is, is something new? Is something that I hadn't seen? Or something that maybe I can't see yet. 
And I had read a lot of it, but I had not studied a lot of it. And so since 1971, you can count it up on your fingers, your toes, or, or whatever. But from that time to this time, I am still learning. And as long as I'll be here with a mind that I can comprehend, I will continue to still learn. For a while, I had so many things going, it was hard to get involved in a lot of understanding. But thank God for the last 20 years. I've had time to do this, along with helping my wife live her life out. And we both learned together for a long period of years. And my and my voice is the same as Ronnie's was with his wife. Mine was the same way with my wife. I could have never told her how much I love her. But she knew, and the Lord knew, and the Lord knows. And the Lord doesn't forget. He can choose to forget, but things like that I don't think He chooses to forget. So God bless us all, and may we grow in His grace and love. And I didn't mean to make it a preaching lesson tonight, but it turned into that. So, as it is, I don't have, I do not have anything that I want to withdraw that I've said tonight. Glory be to His name. We need to know more and not less. Thank you so much.